episode 342. After spending so much time with Jim, how to go about educating myself in individual circumstances and gaining the knowledge I needed to gain to get through that job. And that just kind of snowballed over the years. It, it gave me an idea, things I had to brush up on while I was approaching certain problems. And it just got to the point where I was doing it a lot quicker than a lot of other people. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome and glad you've dropped by. Carm Capriato here. I was able to work around Brandon Steckler's busy schedule, which includes a one and a half hour daily commute. Yes, one way to get his thoughts and inspirations for you here on the Aftermarket's award-winning Remarkable Results Radio podcast. You know, being an instructor or a teacher in the automotive industry is a noble profession. My guest, Brandon Steckler, has a passion for preparing the next generation of competent professionals and training current technicians in new systems and diagnostic techniques. I want to let you know that a driving force that makes all these interviews possible is Federal Mogul Motor Parts. When you need to search for parts or get the latest technical updates or go and sign up for some Garage Rewards Loyalty Program swag for both techs and shops, please visit fmmotorparts.com. Thank you for supporting the Federal Mogul Motor Parts brands. Our developing aftermarket community and network grows every week, and I'm honored to have new Facebook friends John Rakowski, Greg Bohm, Don Peters, Steve Van Landingham, and Gordon Leffler, and my latest LinkedIn connections, Scott Thorley, Brett Holman, and Andrew Dunn. Find the Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram connections at remarkableresults.biz slash social. Hey, I'm honored to have such a great group of guests that have paid their wisdom forward for the sake of making our aftermarket better. Have you benefited? In what way? Have a favorite episode or series? Tell me your story on how the Remarkable Results Radio podcast has impacted your world. I always reply. Reach out via email. Carm at remarkableresults.biz. That's B-I-Z. Brandon Steckler is a working diagnostician, writer, and trainer. He loves to help, maintain, and improve the level of professionalism among today's diagnosticians. His first article in Motor Age is still his favorite piece. Brandon shares his take on daytime training, who he counts as his mentor, and who the respected and admired industry trainer he aspires to be like as he continues to earn his own stripes. Catch an extended bio and the key talking points with Brandon Steckler at remarkableresults.biz slash E342. Yes, we're in episode 342. Enjoy. Hey, a warm welcome to Brandon Steckler. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Corm. Thanks for having me. So I want to know something. Here's what I want to know. CTI, WTI, wrenching, writing, new house, an hour and a half commute. Are you serious? My wife doesn't like me too much right now. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. I had a bunch of opportunities and I, I just don't want to pass any of them up. Everything just sounds like a sounds great to me. So I, I want to keep doing it. Because? I just have aspirations of doing something more than just, just being a tech. And uh, I enjoy being a tech. I like using my hands. It's fun. It's, I, you know, I like the challenge of something new every day. But you ever just get the feeling like you, you're meant to do something more? Oh, trust me. It's, my, it's been my, life, my whole life. You know, you, you work hard. You play hard. Integrity, trust. You're always doing the right thing. 
you don't know how to say no to anything. I mean, that's probably one of your problems because because your mountain is so high. You're right. I, I do have trouble saying no <laughs> a lot of the times. And, and, you know, not just with work stuff, even to my, my little daughter who's always wants something sweet, sweet to chew on. How old is she? She'll be seven at the end of, the end of uh, July. My best buddy. So Pete, Pete Myers calls you from Motor Agents to say, I need you to write an article or two. And you'd say, oh, I can fit that in. Yeah. Funny story. Uh, you probably heard of my mentor, Jim Morton. Uh, he's been like an, an uncle to me for better part of 10 years now. And uh, it seems every opportunity he's got, he's, he's got something to do with it. I don't know what he says or, or, or how he talks to people, but... He's a great guy. I knew he had some medical problems a while back. He's over it. He got a great award from from Vision this past year. He's kind of a, a Dutch uncle. You know, he, he he's warm. He's loving. He's not afraid to tell you, you know, if, yeah, you're an A. And, and so what you're saying is, every did you, like, pick up the phone and say, Jim, they, I, I, they want me to write some articles? Should I? Or does he just say, Brandon, he just believes so much in you that you always put the gym rule against anything you want to do. And the gym rule would say, yeah, go ahead. That's kind of it right there. You know, uh, when, when I call him to tell him something, or a lot, lots of times he's hard to reach on a phone, so we, we spend a lot of time emailing. You know, I tell him these things, Carm, like, Writing for Motor Age for Pete, and uh, yeah, 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 I know all about that. You know, he, he's kind of got his foot in the door with everything, so I got a lot to be thankful for in regards to Jim Morton, that's for sure. How the CTI, uh, CTI, uh, Carquest Technical Institute, um, and Wopec Technical Institute, how'd that come by? Well, I'll tell you what, I was uh, I was real lucky to meet a guy by the name of Kevin Libby. I don't know if you ever heard his name, but I have. Kevin is one of their top notch instructors, and this is when I was in the state of Indiana for a while. And uh, I, I went to class one evening. I finally got to meet Kevin. And him and I have been like this ever since. So I guess from talking with me, he kind of put my name in the hat, so to speak, with, uh, with CarQuest. And they do a, a boot camp, so to speak, where they, they bring you on board for uh, almost like a hell week. Yeah. Pardon the expression. Yeah, I know. I heard. Yeah. They put you through the ringer, but it, it was a good time. And if you come out the other end? <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's an opportunity for you at CTI if you if you do okay in their eyes, I guess. I guess in yeah in in their eyes, they 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 need to test you every every sense of the way. Did you feel like you were under the microscope? I did, but you know what? It, it was a lot of fun, Corn, because me and the uh, the five or six guys I was in class, so to speak, with, uh, we knew it was all, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be putting you on the spot. And we were, I want to say, prepared for it. They threw us a a few loops here, but. Uh, it was a great experience, a lot of fun. So I do know that you totally admire John Thornton. Yeah, he's one one heck of an instructor. Yeah, well, a great all around guy too. I know, and you told me one day that you're almost starstruck about John. That's a pretty decent aspiration to have, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. If you're going to do anything, I'm trying to do it the best you can, and and who better to shoot for the stars? I mean, John Thornton's way up there, and there's a bunch of other guys. You know, two that I think are, are fantastic instructors, but John is, uh, in my opinion, he's so easy to relate to and easy to listen to, and, and he's kind, and he doesn't make you feel intimidated when you're sitting in his class. You feel like you belong there, and for, for me as a, a trainee, I, I want to feel like I belong in class. I don't want to feel intimidated or I don't belong there. Do you feel that you have a lot of those traits, or shall I say, are you aspiring to be a, a, if you will, world-class trainer? I aspire for that. Uh, I have sat in a few not-so-great classes, and it kind of makes me feel embarrassed for the presenter. 
you know, and if I can offer any kind of insight, I try to without, uh, you know, putting, putting a guy down or anything like that. But, uh, I'm aware. Yes. That question. Yes. I I'm aware of what I want to be. I, I want to be like John Thornton. And, and when I'm in class presenting, I try to, I try to be aware of when people ask me questions and they want to know, you know, I got to make sure I speak up and, and repeat their question. And, uh, I try to make contact and uh, eye contact and speak loudly, you know, and, and clearly so people can understand. And I, I, I always try to make sure I answer their question the best way I can. So uh, I'm conscious and I do want to, I want to try to be like John. I do. You got the gift, do you think? Just that natural gift to be a, to be a trainer that can relate and transfer knowledge to people? I'll be honest with you. I don't feel that's for me to say, but I do feel comfortable. I feel like it's the right thing to do. I feel like I belong up there. I have been told from many people that have listened to me, not not necessarily in class, but just friends of mine, peers of mine that said, uh, I have this natural ability to kind of regurgitate stuff in a sense that it's, it might be difficult to understand. It and I kind of get in as a liaison between the teacher and the, and the trainee and, and can, you know, regurgitate it in a fashion that they understand it. You're a bridge gapper. There you go. That's a good one. I try to be. I heard you say that once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bridge gapper. So you you also said one time, knowledge gets knowledge. What did you mean by that? Knowledge begets new knowledge. I feel like when you know something, you, you have certain amount of knowledge on a subject and you begin to discuss it with other people, uh, I think it starts stirring the pot, so to speak. And the knowledge that you share with other people, you know, you two come together or three or a whole group and and suddenly this, you make new discoveries. You know, you start learning things, growing on what you already know, like stepping stones, so to speak. Got it. So an hour and a half drive to work. I've been around the block and uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I've, I've probably worked at over 10 shops in the last 18 years. Were they positive moves that you looked at that every time you left? They were great. I, I can probably count on on one hand and, and have fingers to spare how many were just bad experiences. And you know what? They're even good experiences because I know, you know, what not to do anymore or, or how to do research a little better on where I might want to work. But every time I moved, it, it wasn't necessarily because of a, a, a bad experience. It was more so uh, stepping stones. You know, I learned what I had to learn there and, and I wasn't quite happy. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't learning at a rate I wanted to be learning. I wanted to move forward or uh, I, I was at a Honda dealer for the better part of 10 years. I loved it there. I had it great there. I made good money. Excellent friends. I was had great rapports with, with every customer I had. I got tired of doing the same thing. I wanted a new challenge, so I moved on. You've always counted on Moog to keep you ahead of the pack when it comes to chassis innovation. Well, they've done it again. Most recently launched is the Moog ball joint with a pre-installed integral dust boot. It's designed exclusively for compression-loaded suspension systems, providing superior strength and durability for these types of vehicle applications. The dust boot is made from higher strength materials and comes pre-installed, saving you time because it's easier to install. It also has a larger contact area against the stud, which makes a more effective seal. For your customers, the unit uses Moog's powdered metal gusher bearing that provides longer life and controlled radial and axial movement. You get the industry's leading coverage of 10,000 SKUs, including 4,600 for foreign applications. Hey, you've been installing Moog confidently for years, and now you know why. I believe you would agree that being a top tech is real hard work. Keeping up is a full-time gig, considering vehicle technology, repair procedures, and diagnostics. 
It's refreshing to know that Federal Mogul Motor Parts' garage guru is there for you. It's been designed by and for technicians, the best in the industry. And did you know there's no other comprehensive program like this anywhere? A big part of the program is the nationwide network of gurus on-site training and technology centers. There, you can get your hands dirty with the equipment and tools you use every day in real work-related situations. When online is your perfect way to learn, do it with Guru's 24-7 online academy with a huge catalog of training course options. And with the Guru's on-the-go technology fleet, they bring the latest products and demos right to your shop. And this year, you get free stuff from the Garage Rewards Loyalty Program. You earn points towards gear from your favorite Federal Mogul Motor Parts' brands. And what is really great, it costs nothing to join, and you'll start earning points immediately. So head on over to fmgaragegurus.com and learn all about Garage Guru's training, support, and get in on the rewards. I love a part of your biography that talks about your dealership years. They said that, or you said, deciphering strange failures at an efficient pace. <laughs> I think that is just a great quote. Thank you. I learned how to learn from Jim Morton. I realized after spending so much time with Jim, how to go about educating myself in individual circumstances and gaining the knowledge I needed to gain to get through that job. And that just kind of snowballed over the years. It, it gave me an idea, things I had to brush up on why I was approaching certain problems. And it just got to the point where I was doing it a lot quicker than a lot of other people. Another quote from your bio is information specialist among the staff and peers. And when I read that, it almost reminded me of a diagnostician, but back in the day, as, as to how, what would you describe that this person does? Well, he's an information specialist. <laughs> is that kind of where you were going at that time? I guess in the eyes of some, possibly. I didn't see it that way. You got to remember, from, from a dealership technician's perspective, and I'm not talking about all dealership technicians, but many of them, I'm sure they'll agree, some will disagree, that uh, you get tunnel vision, so to speak. You become very complacent, but but really good at what you do on on certain vehicles, on a, a particular make and model, maybe. And uh, you might be the best around in, in, in that arena, but step outside of that arena and things aren't coming so easily to you. So if they see me branch off and I'm working on, you know, this is, was a Honda dealership, I'm working on a Ford or I'm working on a Chrysler or I'm working on a Nissan or a Toyota. And I got a knack just getting through those, just like I did the Hondas, they it's actually the shop foreman that called me an information specialist. He would describe me to new hires and, and people touring the shop in, in that matter. Because you were with Honda for, as you say, 10 years, is is it your default go-to? I mean, are you the Honda guy everywhere you go? Yeah, <laughs> I am. That's cool. I love it. So let me go back to this three-hour commute. Um, there's a, there's a few people out, few people out there that can relate to the fact that they may have a long forty five sometimes fifty minute ride back and forth. They want to live in the country and they work in the city. Okay, I love to know what goes through your mind. What's you've got three hours every day to think, to do something, to plan your world. To what do you use the time for? Well, to be honest with you, I'm a bit high strung, and those that know me will agree, probably with a round of applause. But uh. I like to think. I, I rarely listen to radio or music. Yeah, I do once in a while, but uh, I got so much on my plate right now, and it's all new to me. So it's a bit stressful trying to process, you know, what's my next step. 
So I, I spent a lot of time in my own head. That quiet time almost what put gets you aligned? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. If I worked 10 minutes down the street, uh, I, I really don't think I could do it. You'd be bumping into walls. I would. I have no... <laughs> and you get home, I got a little seven-year-old that wants to play with daddy. So I got to try and get some stuff done in the evening when she's sleeping. So it's tough. How do you get the fire in your belly every day to get up and look at that one and a half hour drive? You know, um, I've always been a morning person. So waking up was never really a problem for me. And, you know, in that drive, I get time to wake up and sip some coffee. But uh, that fire in my belly, uh, it's funny you say that. Jim Morton, when we first met and and I, I wanted him to take me seriously, he pulled me aside and he warned me. He said, uh, if you ever lose that fire in your belly, I'm going to drop you like a hot potato. And he wasn't kidding. So I always keep that in my mind that I... I want to, I want to do what Jim Morton would want me to do. You know, even if it's tough and I feel like I'm too busy, if he thinks I could get it done, I think I can get it done. And I also owe it to my, my parents too. They've, they've always, both of them always had a strong work ethic. They've always brought me up to try my best. Didn't always work out that way, but I did try. Good for you. You know, it's amazing to hear you talk about Jim Morton. You've mentioned him a bunch of times. Uh, would I put him in the class of being your mentor? Absolutely. So let's talk about mentors. I know you're going to be a proponent to tell people you need a mentor. It helps. I reach out to Jim frequently, uh, not just with, with automotive, you know, opportunities and things of that nature, but life in general. Uh, him and I have had some, uh, some conversations and uh, that's why I call him like an uncle because he's, he's, he's been like family to me. He really has. And, uh, anybody that's willing to take you under their wing and offer their decades and decades of experience, to help you better yourself. Um, it's easy to take that for granted. I'd, I'd recommend anybody that has that opportunity to take somebody up on it. And I love what you say. It's, it's not really an automotive issue. It's, it's life's issues. It's great to be able to run that by someone who may not be family, who may not be spouse, because before you open your mouth in the real world, you want to say, can I, can I tack your brain a little bit? I'm going through this. I'm struggling with that. Do you ever find time during your commute to call Jim? Is it, would you ever be on the phone while you're driving? What those that know Jim Morton, I'm sorry to say this, Jim, he's tough to talk to on the phone. Talks like he's got marbles in his mouth. So. Oh, okay. I love the guy to death. But, and, and, but you know I, why? Uh, you know why? Because he's probably got a, a cheap phone, <laughs> his cell phone. <laughs> I've, I've noticed with that. With a dial it's, on it. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's funny. You know, you're right. There are some people I talk to all the time I can't understand. Yep. But uh, Jim, we email a lot. It's very, and, and you know, Facebook Messenger too. So it's a lot easier that way for both of us. He, he's got a busy schedule too. So when you wrote your first article for Motor Age, did it take you like two weeks to, to write it or did it just come out? You know, uh, and I'm sure Pete Meyer will agree with me. The content was there. It was, it was right there. I was in the middle of a really interesting case study, which, I've, which I like to write about case studies. Pete Meyer chewed it up and spit it out. <laughs> he, he said, oh God, you got to redo this. This is... So uh, I'm learning a lot from him too. I'm very, I'm very grateful because um, I thought I was a decent writer. <laughs> He's proven me wrong. Well, that's okay. And you know <laughs> yes. what? You're going to be an actor. Oh, that's not. It's a piece of cake. You're going to be a writer. Oh, no problem. You're going to be a podcaster. Sure, sure, sure. You know. Uh -huh. Let me tell you about my humble beginnings. I believe it. Yeah, it's 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 truly amazing. And I didn't do it alone. I had to get help, just like you, and having a good editor over you. What was your favorite article? that you've written so far? My most exciting article was that first one. It happened to be the one of the toughest challenges I had that I've written about, so I really enjoyed it. It was about a, it was about a Chrysler minivan 
with a, with a weird hard start problem. But the fun part was I got to write about it, how it kept coming back. You know, so I didn't write the article like I was some hero that fixed this car and, you know, good for me. I, you know, I, I put my pride aside and, you know, pretty much, uh-oh, guess what happened? So it was fun to write for me. Interesting story. <laughs> a perpetual problem. Case studies. I'm interested to find out um, why you like them so much. I love case studies. Here's, here's why I like it. Corm, when I started in the, I'll call it the independent side of the industry, um, when I first stepped out in that world, I realized just how little I actually know. It was humbling. I had a new respect for the non-dealership technician. So I, I quickly determined I needed a, a game plan on every vehicle. I couldn't just rely on my, my familiarity with Honda, you know, because I became very good with Honda and comfortable with them. Uh, but the confidence wasn't there with these other vehicles. So I found myself learning by reading case studies from from guys like John Anello, the auto technician on wheels. Sure from do New know John. Him yeah. and I became, yeah, he, we, we, I rode with him for a week once. And uh, we've, been, we've been pretty good friends ever since. Heck of a nice guy. Were you down to his new house? I haven't seen it. Okay. Nope. All right. right down the shore, I have not seen it. When I interviewed him the last time, he was almost done building it. Yeah, he's a larger than life kind of guy. He sure is. Tiny, but but larger than life for sure. So yeah, reading case studies from guys like him, that, that let me be like the parrot on his shoulder during these repairs. I got to see how his mind worked, what he was looking for when he was going through this, you know, compiling his data, whether he was looking at a scan tool data list or, or a lab scope and, and why was he testing certain circuits. And I learned a heck of a lot from, from reading case studies because I could follow through right to the end and I didn't have to be there because they were writing in such good detail you know what I mean? They, they explained whatever I need to know. And I could read it at the comfort of my own home and over and over again. So that really helped me. So I, I like to deliver information in that fashion, my perspective from, from a case study point of view. Ever do case studies for CTI? Not yet. That's in the works. I'm, I'm hoping to be able to produce a curriculum, help contribute curriculum for uh, CTI here soon. It's in the works. Have you done any classes for CTI yet? I have. And, and the way CTI, uh, they, they have a bunch of curriculum developers and they put together a nice package for uh, instructors like myself to prepare ourselves for. So we go home and, and we, we read up on this material and, and, and we familiarize ourselves so we can go deliver it to a class, present it in a fashion that people can understand and, and also be able to answer questions. So I have done that. I, I've done a few, only a few, a handful with them so far as a trainer will you be practicing that class the next class you get would you actually just give it to your daughter one day one night uh, how do you prepare you know something but believe it or not i actually feel a bit uncomfortable doing that and i don't know why but so uh i found myself when i first started with cti i'd go back to the shop now this was when i lived in in indiana i'd go back to the shop on a saturday or a sunday and, and lock myself inside and i'd set up my projector in the middle of the shop and i'd start talking to the walls just as loud as I wanted to, like, like I had a classroom to all people and that, that helped me relax. But, uh, to do it at home in front of my wife or my daughter with them smiling at me, I just, <laughs> that just make me feel uncomfortable. I've done that plenty of times in the basement of my home while the family's upstairs, whatever they were doing at night. And I tried to make it as real as possible. I don't know about you, but I always try to make it as real as possible. And I, I, Okay, I have to fix that. No, I shouldn't say that then. And I was kind of talking to my side. And I was saying, wow, how, how real is this when I was making too many side comments? And I have learned over the years that practice makes perfect. And even if you're in the sales game, 
you got to practice and get really comfortable for what you're doing. And I'm sure once you do the class twice, once or twice, you're you're on autopilot. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, certainly, my opinion. And you're right. Almost in like sales, if you can't sell yourself, how are you going to sell a product or this information? If if you look like you don't know what you're talking about and you can't answer questions properly, um, they're going to chew you up and spit you out. I've been in those classes before, and you feel so bad for the presenter that is not prepared, and it's awful. And you're embarrassed for the guy. So you started in Northampton County Community College in Bethlehem, PA. That's That was the uh, auto tech college? Yep, that's where it all started. Um, I, I enjoyed motorcycles as a kid. And I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I know I like messing around with, with dirt bikes. So I went to Votech for it. But um, I held a job part-time at a, a mom-and-pop quick lube place called Exeter Car Care. And my guidance counselor told me I could stay working in that field, but I had to transfer, I'll call it majors, from small engine repair to automotive. And I had the opportunity to get a safety inspection license through the state of Pennsylvania. So I did that. And it come senior year, my guidance counselor said, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to stick with the automotive? So initially, I wanted engineering. And I decided I didn't want that. So I went with closest thing would be automotive repair. And my mother worked for years in a body shop and she currently worked at a, a GM dealership local to my, my area. So. And you went uh, through the GM ASAP program. I did. And so did that take you by, out to Indiana because you were in the GM ASAP program? No, my, my good buddy, Rusty Flake. Okay. I'm sure. Sure. I know Rusty. Some of you probably familiar. Uh, him and I have been friends for a few years now, probably about five years. And we've always had it. Uh, we talked about working together for years. And um, no, that's how I ended up out really? with Rusty in India. Yeah. I think I met Rusty for the first time at Vision this year. I, I think it was Vision or if it was at Apex. I can't remember exactly where. It was. Just larger than life. Loved him. Gave him a big hug. That's, and, and, you know, Rusty loves those hugs. He's just one heck of a guy. Him and, and his wife, uh, Rebecca. I call her Becca, but it's Rebecca. And she's just a sweetheart, too. They're just two of the nicest people I think anyone will ever cross paths with. So you went to Indiana to work for Rusty. Wow. I did. And what brought you back uh, to where you are now? My daughter quickly became a stranger to her family, and uh, we, we, we'd visit once a year, twice a year to see grandma and grandpa, and it was just, uh, it was awkward. I just felt so bad. It, it was time to come back. This is home. This is home, Pennsylvania. So we made our way back. So an hour and a half trip, and uh, you're, you're, you're really happy. You're working for a friend of yours, right? A friend, I'll call him a friend. He's, he's become a really good friend. His name's Gerard, and uh, he owns Lycon Automotive in Bristol, Pennsylvania. And it's a tremendous shop. It's, it's, it's a big shop, but it's also, uh, he's done a lot with it. He's been there since 1977. Uh, it's, it's a very great place to work. He invests in, in the techs and, and tools, and it's just, it's a really nice atmosphere. Let's talk about um, tech training. We just did an episode um, last Friday. Uh, a Town Hall Academy on technician training, um, the rewards, the strategies behind it. Should we have daytime training? Should they be fully compensated for the time they take away from work? Should they? Should all their training be paid? Should they have any skin in the game? Tell, tell me what you're thinking, Brandon. Well, I'll tell you, Carm, from my perspective, if I'm at work and I have to stop working to go train, uh, I feel it shouldn't cost me money. If I'm training for an employer, I, I feel I should be compensated if it's during the workday. I will go to all hours of the night on my own time and not expect a penny in compensation from my, from my employer. But that's just how I feel. If I have to stop working to go train, 
unless it's something I really want. If I want to fly across the country to see a class, then I understand. But um, I do feel every technician, every serious technician should acquire training regularly. Things change all the time. We always got to stay on top of things. We really have to train. How many hours a year should a tech get? Let's just break it down to month. I mean, what kind of investment per month should a tech be making? For me, it's been a bit different. I haven't been to training in a while because I've been really busy and it's not an excuse. It's the truth. I just, there's not enough hours in a day, but I, when I wasn't as occupied as I currently am, I like to train on the weekends. I, I like to spend a Saturday morning, get up early and spend a couple hours training, whether it could be as simple as watching some YouTube videos or pre-recorded videos that I, that I purchased, things of that nature or, or uh, access to online websites. It's hard for me to put a number on it. I actually have to stop and think hours-wise. It, it was a bunch for me when I was doing it regularly. It really was. Help me understand the strategy inside uh, of the shop. You have, um, you have an opportunity to sit down with a supplier. And let's just, let's just pick on CTI CarQuest because obviously you, you're working for those guys. Great company. Chris Chesney, just a great guy. So here it is. Uh, I'm the shop you're in. The CarQuest salesperson relationship manager comes in and says hey we're we're working on the the class schedule for next year or for the next six months call it hey guys let's huddle around here what do you guys need does that happen it does and what i try to do as as an instructor is i want to try i feel it's my responsibility to help guide these these attendees these technicians and i expect to see the same faces over and over again and hopefully adding new faces to the group each time um, or as often as possible, but I want to build a curriculum. I don't just want to sell tickets to the class, you know, come to class, let's learn something. I, I want to get something going, so to speak. Uh, I don't want to introduce these guys to familiarizing themselves with uh, scan tool data pids, you know what I mean, if they don't know how to use the scan tool yet. But let me step back a moment uh, because I, I'm really trying to develop uh, in the mindset of our listener that if they're a tech in a shop and your supplier comes by and the supplier says, hey, listen, we're building a class schedule for the next six months, what do you guys need? Are, are training companies pulling that data and that information from the street and then aligning their classes and the, bringing instructors like you guys into the market? I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I haven't been approached. Okay, you have All right, okay. I have not. You have not been approached by a supplier to ask you what should be put on the schedule and, and what what kind of technician training uh do you, maybe you haven't but the owner may is the owner owner possibly been approached? Potentially. I I can't tell you Corm. when I sit it, when I sit in class as an attendee, I I'm frequently asked at the end of class, is there anything you guys want to see in the future? Put yourself in the tech shoes. You you have a you have a unique profile in our industry, you're a trainer, you're a tech, you're a writer, and you have this complete, this, this 360 perspective, really, uh, Brandon. It's, it's an it's amazing perspective that you have. But put your tech hat on, and only your tech hat. You're sitting around with a guy and says, you know what, we, we, need, some, we need some GDI training. Uh, I just top of my head. Uh, how, do you, how do you get it? Or uh, you, you go out to the owner and says, listen, go, go find us some classes, leader-led within 30 miles or 50 miles or the next big city. Does that go on in shop, in your shop or in shops today? I would like to see that happen in a lot of shops. I've, I've heard of very few that do that, and I wish it would be performed like that more often because I think it could be a tremendous benefit to everybody. Me personally, I, I 
took responsibility for my own training. Whatever I, whatever arena I wanted to seek out, I would. So I really don't have any experience from that perspective where we kind of sat down together and decided what we need as a shop. As being, a, I, I've taken a shop foreman role, not officially, but I kind of feel I, I try to take that responsibility. I want to be a liaison between the business owner and the technicians and, and upper management. And I, I see things that go on in the shop. And uh, for instance, diesel, we lack a little bit on our diesel training. So I had recommended to my boss that we, we get some of our, our engine guys in, in the diesel training and, and equip ourselves with the tools to do the job properly. Did he go out and seek that training? It's in the works. Cool. We're, we're doing the research now for... Are you guys doing hybrid? We don't see much. Okay. We don't see much hybrid. Um, I, I have only been in the shop now uh, probably about five months, and I, I haven't seen any yet. Are you the go-to diag shop in the area? Are other guys coming to you? Yeah, we do a lot of, we do a lot of diagnostics for the area. I've gotten frequent vehicles that have, you know, they can't be fixed. So we do get a lot of that. Can't be fixed. Brandon, save me. <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's usually something really simple and uh, boils down to basics most of the time. You get the tough ones, but most of the time it's something real simple. Basics. I was talking to, you know, my next technician talk part five is ready to come out. It'll come out in a few days, actually, from, from our recording. And um, we, we, a couple of the guys were doing a rant on basic electric and saying you just can't discount every maybe three years. You got to go back and boom, slap yourself upside the head with that kind of training. Do you agree with that? I agree, especially with electricity. It's one of those things where you can read all the books you want, and until you got your hands on it every day, Carm, it, it it slips away quick if you if you haven't been doing it a while. We're always learning something. Yeah, whether uh, a trick, a shortcut. You know, you're making an association between what you know and what you just learned, and creating a new shortcut for yourself, new techniques. I'm so respectful of, of electricity and volt ohms and amps and resistance and all that. I, I just sit there in awe uh, as to how it really works. Um, scary that we take for granted. I'm here in my studio and there's all kinds of electronic devices. And uh, Because I'm a curious person, I love to know how things work. But I'm very respectful of, of, of electricity and probably would take 10 basic classes to teach me the basics over and over again. Hey, um, if I say these words, training is a retention tool, how do you feel about that? Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I have read books years ago and, and found them in the recent past and, and, oh, wow, these would be great. Let me breeze through them again. And I'll tell you what, I can't believe how much I learned the second and third time around of breezing through material. So even training myself, Absolutely. It becomes, you start to retain it as just like when you write something down, you tend to retain it a bit more. I'm, I'm the same when I read. Give advice to the people that are listening. Uh, they tend to class. It could be one of yours. They take a book home. What's the role of that book? I will call it supportive material. It, it reinforces what you learned in class. A lot of classes, I learned more from the book than I did the actual presentation itself. So I, I always, now some books are just picture books and they give you an opportunity to take your own notes as you're sitting in classes. Those aren't really the books I'm talking about. And sometimes I do refer to my own notes, but the, the supportive material that backs up what they're teaching in the class, um, I'm a fan. It's, there's a lot of material in there. So I come to class to, to hear your class, to, to learn from you. I bring my pen 
And do I bring a little stack of post-it notes so I can ear tag the pages and write all over the margins? Would how into that book do you want me to be during your class? I'm glad you asked that, Carm. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm currently writing a class right now for Auto Mechanica. It's going to be based upon pressure waveform acquisition and analysis. And uh, I'm trying to design the class for somebody who's really wants to get into that line of testing and, and really is not sure how or is not confident what they know. So it's not going to be just advanced stuff. It's going to be, you know, how to pick up the scope and, and start hooking things up so we can use these tools to the best of our ability. I almost don't want a book. I want you to bring your, your hand. I just want you to raise your hand and I want, I want there to be arguments going back and forth, healthy arguments. I want people to talk and, and tell me their interpretation and have somebody on this side of the room chime in. And I want everyone to start sharing ideas. Because it's perspective a lot of times when it comes to class. It's not so much the fact, it's the perspective. And, and when you start hearing different points of view, this has been my experience. Lots of times, all this information that I know because I've memorized it, 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 it clicks with me when somebody else says it a certain way. So in lieu of having books, I'd rather people bring their hands and use them. Please raise them and ask questions, start conversation. But keep it relative. You're talking about challenging thinking type of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. What's your passion? I want to make my mark. I don't need an award. I don't need to be a gazillionaire. That would be nice. <laughs> but <laughs> Play the if lotto. so, that's more for the security. Yeah. I want to leave more than I've taken. So you want to pay it forward, just like you're doing now. I'm going back and, and just remembering all the things you and I talked about. There's some really powerful value in this conversation, and I, I thank you for paying it forward for our audience. Uh, do you have a secret you can give to anyone who's, you know, wants to, you know, really have a fruitful, exciting career in the automotive? Absolutely. Uh, try your best, ask questions, make mistakes and learn from them. Um, but I, I hammer home, ask questions, really try to understand something. If you don't, and don't be embarrassed if you don't, you got, it might mean you going home and doing some research yourself, you know, reading up on a book or, or practicing. On, on, you know, testing on known good vehicles and things of that nature. But uh, your career is up to you. You know, when you're a kid and you're, you're coming out of high school, college, post-secondary school kind of guides you. There's a curriculum you have to follow. But after you get out of that school, it's up to you. And, and you can be that technician that, that only does certain things once in a while. You know, it only does brakes and, uh, or, or only uh, does PDIs his entire career. And I, I know technicians, sadly, that, that have been in that position for decades. And that's, that's all they've chosen to pursue. It's, it's up to you. You can go as far as you want to go. No, no one's going to stop you. I'm, I'm telling you that right now, that the industry is so hungry for, for technicians that can do it all, that have those critical thinking skills and, and have the mindset to always want to know more and, and learn the newest strategies and, and techniques and, and technology. So you're saying that the job doesn't end at five? No, uh, I probably spend uh, almost as much time at work as I do working outside of work. And uh, I, I'm not recommending that for everybody. I'm a little bit of a nutcase, Carm, yeah, with this you're, stuff. You're, but. you're the extreme end. but uh, And then there's some other people at the complete other end that are, are taking a paycheck. And, and we wonder why owners don't want to invest in training. Yeah, I'll say that too. Um, I, I feel if if the owners want solid technicians, they have to train them, but I don't feel they should have to invest in people that don't want to be, don't want to invest as well. 
You're right. And we we had a great dialogue on the last Town Hall Academy on technician training strategies. And it really part part of the whole um, issue with where we need to go with training is to have more profitable shops so that they can invest some of their profit uh, back into invest, if you will, um, back into training. The technician shortage. Um, we talk about it. We hear it. You kind of hinted a little bit ago. Do you have a solution? You know, I don't want to say. Do you, I don't want to ask you the question. Do you believe there is one? I'd rather say we've recognized that we need more talent. What is your solution? I'm, I'm going to take a moment here to call out my buddy uh, from the great state of Delaware, Pete Rudloff. Uh, I'm, I know you've had him on the show. Oh a few God, times. yeah, I love Pete. First, I love Pete too. He's a big old teddy bear. He's honest, he's hardworking, and he really wants the best for the industry. I've never seen him deviate from that mindset. But uh, Pete is one of the guys, I say I want to call him out as Pete. Pete has taken on a young lady. Um, I, I couldn't tell you her age, but she's fairly young. Oh, yeah, I've met her. I've met her uh, at the big event. Uh, no, not the big, uh, at, uh, at Super Saturday. Uh, I, I met her at Super Saturday last October. And I, you, know, you know what I promised her, Brandon? What's that? I, I promised her that I'd have her on the show and I'd interview her about her career path with Pete if she reached the milestones that he set for her. Excellent. And if, if I know Pete correctly, he's going to help her every step away to get where she needs to be. But what I, what I like about Pete Corm is uh, he's, he's taken that mindset that if we invest in our technicians and, and help get them to where they need to be, they can help us as, as shop owners get to where we need to be. And hopefully retain those those technicians for a very long time, if, if not f- for, for life. I, I might be mistaken, but I truly believe that Pete is supplying tools for this young lady and he's taking care of us and, and taking the responsibility off her. And, and what I think is great about that is I look at it like this. I, I was fortunate enough to live at home when I was at that age. And, you know, mom and dad had a little bit of nest egg saved up from when grandma passed and, and said, uh, if you have been in school, you don't have to pay this back, but we expect you to get good grades. So I held up my end of the bargain and, and they did theirs. So I, I wasn't responsible for paying back my college tuition. A lot of kids don't have that luxury and I'm, I'm very grateful. When they're stuck paying these student loans, you know, as a dealership technician, I know when I, when I was first coming out of school, I had very little responsibility at the dealership because it's a dangerous position to be in without mentorship. You, you can only give these kids so much to do until you're outside of their comfort zone and, and they can do something, you know, that could be potentially dangerous if they're not monitored all the time. So they have very little responsibility. And with that, their, their income reflects that. So you get a minute income, lots of bills, and now the tool truck rolls around. And I'm not going to pick on a specific tool brand, but none of them are cheap. They all cost money and quality tools should cost money. But these kids have to buy the tools just like us experienced, well-earning technicians do. So they got the, the expensive tool bills, they're living at home, and they're paying back their tuition, and they're making little money. It's, you know, if, if I could go down the street and, and, and work at a restaurant and earn potentially the same paycheck, but not have to pay $50 a week towards tools, it might seem like the better way to go financially. So $50 lifetime hurdle that turned into 150 somehow. It always happens. Because you needed the latest, the bestest, oh, I'm not going to show a Bobby in the next bay. You know, and, and everywhere I work on growing up, if you borrowed a tool more than twice, you got to buy it. That's just kind of like the rule of thumb around every shop. You, 
you can only borrow a tool so many times before somebody tells you go get your own now. So do you believe that we as an industry need to, to rethink how we're doing? I mean, you should do, I mean obviously the, the shop needs to buy the, the, you know, the big expensive computers and, you know, and scanners. And, but but every, every tech wants to have their own scopes. Am I right? That's my pr- perspective. I, I believe a tech should own his own scope. Okay. He should own his or own or scope. Or her. Excuse me. Him or her. We're not here to, to solve the entire, uh, you know, challenges of our industry. But, I, you know, I, I go back to that great, great pointer that you make. How are we going to engage the, the young person in, in, in a mentoring program, even in an apprentice program? And we've done a lot of discussions on the show about that. Um, buying tools and starting to talk to the parents in middle school. That's one of the things that I continue to hear, Brandon, that if we're going to change and try to fill the seats in college, we've got to get these kids into the skilled trades somehow. We've got to get the counselors to stop trying to meet their 98% four-year college-bound quota. You, you, you with me on that? I am. And something else I want to add to that, Corm, is I, I, think, I think a lot of people still view the automotive industry as, as the, the guys and gals that turn the nuts and bolts. I believe it's more so we need critical thinkers. And if we can harness those critical thinkers and direct them towards us, towards our industry and help gain their, see what they need what in, in their minds, what, what they need that's going to fulfill them and, and try and show them the light on our side of the industry rather than letting us lose these critical thinkers to information technology and, and other, other industries. One of my former guests, Patrick McHugh, uh, he's been a great supporter of the show, does a STEM program at his shop. You know, you've got the, the ladies event and he brings in some middle school children. He go, you know, And I love telling this story. I don't know why I, I, I tell it a couple of times a year. He asks some of his customers who have kids in middle school, he says, hey, you know, get Johnny to find some other parents. You know, some other bring me in four or five kids. I'm doing a science, technology, engineering, and math class on the car, computer controlled cars today. I think your kids are going to love it. And they come in. You're not only bringing the parents because they have to drive them there to get an exposure to the shop. You're kind of getting that, oh my God, moment from the kids. Yeah, there is a place for us in this industry, so to speak. Right? Yeah. Love video games. Wait, till you see the center stack on this car? Exactly. That's my point exactly, Corn. I, I think there's a tremendous potential for for growth in, in that in that area and, and from these these very bright children who have tremendous minds and, and want to learn and, and want to use that, that brain of theirs. I think I think if we can focus more on finding out their needs, what they need to fulfill themselves. Maybe we can show them how they can find it on our end of the industry. Get it. Love it. Thank you. The last thing you bought for a hundred bucks that most positively impacted your life in the last six months? This is definitely not automotive related, but I had uh, <laughs> purchased a little medallion for my daughter for, for Father's Day. Watching her face light up. That's, that's it. Far, le- far less than a hundred. Priceless. <laughs> Literally priceless. So your bucket list... Uh, a place you'd love to visit? Anywhere in Europe. Actually, anywhere in the world. I really just want to, I do want to get over to Europe at some point in time and just, just check it out and pick a place. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to go. I want to see what it's like over there. Brandon, one thing you've done that no one knows. I had lunch with a homeless person. I didn't tell anybody about that. I saw a, I was walking in Philadelphia and uh, I was coming from the car show a few years ago. 
and I saw a homeless person on the on the side of the street, you know, sitting down. And uh, it was in it was in February. It was it was cold. I should have asked first because I wasn't sure if the if the guy ate meat or not. But I I brought him a cheeseburger and fries and had lunch with him. Didn't say much. He didn't say much at all. I think the I think the poor guy had some some mental issues. But uh, I was hoping to at least get some some conversation with him. You know, just show somebody cared. But I I never told anybody about that. It was just kind of one of those things that just happened. Good for you. Hey, uh, any final words? I just so love this. Thank you for being so transparent and, and honest Absolutely. and open. And God, I just hope you achieve every one of your goals. Would you come back on the show and participate in some of our other stuff in the future? Carm, I'd be honored. Oh, I'd love, I really love, appreciate love to have you, me. Brandon. And yeah, we're glad we glad we started off here in building our relationship. Anything, uh, anything uh, you want you want to tell the world? We need your help. Those youngsters coming out of school, we really do. Um, not just the people that like using their hands. There's plenty of other other arenas in in our industry that could really use your help. So, bring your brains and come help us out. Brandon Steckler, thanks so much, man. Thank you, Carm. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Brandon Steckler, for your expertise, wisdom, and knowledge in showing the aftermarket how to learn and pointing out the value of staying true to professionalism. Many will benefit from the values you've shared. Find the key talking points and additional bio information on Brandon Steckler at remarkableresults.biz slash E342. Share this treasure trove of knowledge from the award-winning Remarkable Results Radio with a friend. Share a Facebook post, forward an email, or retweet a tweet. So glad to have you involved in our aftermarket's educational ecosystem. You can always email me, carm at remarkableresults.biz. We'll talk soon. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 